Hello. Hi, can I get a large pepperoni, a spinach pizza, Bianca, and... Oh, whoa, excuse me, ma'am, this ain't a pizza place, this is Hungry for Crime, a podcast about true crime and food. Oh, okay, well, can I still get that pizza, though? Hello! Welcome back to Hungry for Crime. Episode number 24. Your favorite podcast about true crime and food. Yes. It's yes. Sunday evening, 4.30 yes. p.m. 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 Mm, Julie, this is my favorite time of the day on Sundays. Well, we Why? Sit- oh, I mean, four? I was like, <laughs> when I was we like, sit down and record Hungry for Crime. I was like, four o'clock on a Sunday? That's the worst time of the <laughs> no, week. <laughs> it's the best time because we're together. Oh, my God. And we're talking about true crime and food. Yeah. Yeah. So today's a very special. (laughs) Today's a very special recording because we have our number one fan here today. Say hi. Hi. It's our mom. She's our (laughs) number one fan. It's um. It's my. It's my mom. My mom's here. Um, our mommy's here. Um, she's also our number one fan, top in the female over forty demographic. <laughs> <laughs> Don't expose her like that. <laughs> we have to say that. Beep. In the I mean, do- beep demographic. I mean, we are in our twenties. It ex- it's expected for you to be over forty. That, you know, that's true. Right. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you for joining us today. We're gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you an interesting story. Yeah. Me and um, Mama here are gonna sit back and relax and with Mama. a couple of Coke Zeros. Um, <laughs> not an ad. Not an ad. Yet. I don't know. Ch- well, I don't know about that. I have a cherry coke. Oh, whoa! Cherry coke supreme. Supreme. Supremacy. I love cherry coke. I, I took all of Jeannie Jeannie's cherry cokes out of the fridge today. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I bought a pack of cherry cokes yesterday, and then I had them in the fridge. Julie takes them out, all of them, puts them in the pantry, and she's like, "Are you gonna drink these?" <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry, I didn't like chug twelve cans last night, and I'm taking up room in your refrigerator, Julie." I bought more strawberries, but um, God. I thought that was the pack we bought you last week. No, baby. I so I was like, those. oh, my God. She had two. No, she baby. She had two. And I, I was like, I'm taking this out. No. So um, I apologize. Nay, nay. I apologize. It's fine. I forgive you. I forgive you. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. what else is going on? We already had dinner, which we never Just do. Just had dinner. Yeah, usually we do it um, post-recording we eat, but... Mm-hmm. I had chicken tenders and fries. Ooh, I took a I took a biscuit. A, biscuit. Ki- a Kaiser roll. I took a Kaiser roll and I I um, or a Chicago oh my god bun, Chicago roll Kaiser Kaiser yes I had made my own like homemade like chicken tender sub basically because like it I was saw like it. you remember in elementary school y'all you take those warm buns and you open it up honey must honey mustard and then you like chop up the chicken and then ooh so good little Sammy that's so good. That's it looked good, and you had like I a had. nice shoestring fry on the side. Nice shoestring it fry. Very. It was good. delicious. What did you have for dinner? I okay. I had some brown rice. Mm. I had um, a couple of sun-dried tomato falafels. Um, I I put in some chopped zucchini. I put in some broccoli, and I did a little bit of uh, tzatziki sauce mm. to you know moisten it up a little bit. It was moisten a little dry it. before, but yeah, it was really good. Greekify it. It was delicioso. Sounds great. It was a very Mediterranean dish. I don't know if you've been Sounds following good. us on Instagram at Hungry for Crime Pod, but the other day I posted a story of Julie's delicious bowl, oh, and yeah. I want to post some more highlights and stories of our food. So TBD yes. on that. That was a kale veggie burger with a side of homemade <gasps> sweet potato fries that dipped in tzatziki sauce. Oh, so good. That is a staple. I have it at least twice a week. As a Hungry for Crimer. Um, I will drop the recipe below. You know what would be cool if, like, one day we like get real big, right? We're like fame we're already big i okay all right all right sure fair but like let's four percent listenership in germany by the way four percent so i feel like we have to stop sh- uh, shouting out countries because we scare them off that's not true we got <laughs> brazil now okay fair enough wow. we're expanding mr worldwide to south america i think that's really mr worldwide powerful. is not from brazil no i just meant we're worldwide but we're still in cuba by the way <laughs> <laughs> okay well and that's pitbull listening yes but i'm saying we're worldwide you know what i'm saying yes we're Mr. Worldwide. But, we like, wouldn't it be cool podcast. if we had, like, you know, like, a meet and greet type situation? Like, we had, like, our own crime con, but, like, we had, like, food trucks there. Meat. Meat and <laughs> greet. <laughs> meat. Meat and grease. No. No, that's gross. <laughs> meat and grease. That's nasty. I don't want to go. Meat and greet. I had so much fun at the meat and grease. I'm like, <laughs> ew. 
What did you do? <laughs> That's disgusting. It's a ra- really horrible event. <laughs> it was really um, well. It was not thought out well. It was not planned. Marketing um, was awful. Yeah, we I'm did dis- not get an event planner for this. But that sounds cute, right? That sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you ready? I'm really excited to hear this ready. story. I'm ready. I'm ready to shut up and listen. Shut up and listen. Get comfortable. <laughs> it just leans back. All right. I immediately lean back. Okay. Sounds um, good. Are you ready? Oh my. I am ready. I'm excited to hear this. This yes. first case. This is the first right. time you've been in the room, so. Yeah. I in know. the room where it happened. Usually, usually the room where every... it happens. Yes. The room where it happened. The woman, the woman who was there. Oh, yes. you it, are it the will. woman who was there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you first what, what I'm doing. Uh, okay. You might not know initially, but as I continue the story, you'll be like, you might have heard like, of it. Uh, you're like, ah, you'll be like, mm, ah, mm. Like that whole Titian thing. You're like, ah. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Ah, Titian. Mm, Tish. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so today I'm going to tell you the story about the murder of Brooke Preston. Okay. Never heard of it. Let's see. Okay, so I'm going to take you to West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, March 25th, 2017. Okay? Oh, it's recent. 2017. A call comes in. In the morning to local police, a man on the line says, yeah, you need to send police. Dispatcher asks, okay, what's going on? The man says, someone's been murdered. The dispatcher asks, okay, someone has been murdered. In what way? Do you know if they're breathing or they've definitely passed away? The man says, I don't know. The the dispatcher says, you don't know? Okay, well, what did you see, sir? The man replies, I'm at Haverhill Park. Just send the police. It was me. I'm sorry. And then the line disconnects. So I wanted to open up with that 911 call, but I don't want to focus too much on the killer in the story. I want to talk about Brooke and her life. Brooke was unfortunately the victim in the story. This is the person who had been murdered. Uh, so Brooke Preston grew up in Pennsylvania with her parents and her two sisters, Jordan and Jessica. Uh, she was, she's remembered by being the life of the party and being a very friendly and bubbly person. She enjoyed making art, doing d- gymnastics and going to the beach. And she was just somebody that had a lot of friends, mm-hmm. right? So, Brooke graduated high school in 2013 in Pennsylvania, and afterwards, she decided to move to Florida to attend college in Sarasota at the State College of Florida, where she decided until 26, she, I'm sorry, where she studied until 2016, where she graduated. Florida State? No, it's the, it's a, it's a small state college. It's called the State College of Florida. Okay. That's the name of the college. It's in Sarasota. Hmm. Yeah. So, so after graduation, uh... In 2016, she graduated. Uh, She moved back to Pennsylvania to be with her long-distance boyfriend. But soon after moving back to Pennsylvania, she realized that she wanted to change. And she most likely missed Florida, like the fun beach party lifestyle experience, you know. So she decided that she was going to move back to Florida, right? And she decided that she wanted to relocate to West Palm Beach, right? And that's actually where her sister Jordan was living at the time. So they were, like, planning on being roommates and everything. And she's like, oh, I miss Florida. I miss the life. So, like, her and Jordan uh, wanted to live together, right, in Florida. Uh, Da-da-da-da. Fresh start. Um, Yeah, so she was still dating her boyfriend at the time. And they were pretty serious. But they had been long distance for so long. I guess it wasn't a problem. They were still, like, very serious. Uh, But Brooke wasn't planning on making the move down to Florida just by herself. Uh, She wanted to move down to Florida uh, to be with her sister. And she also planned to do the move with her childhood friend. Friend? Why does it like that? Her childhood friend. Her childhood friend, Randy Herman Jr. So Randy and Brooke had been friends since middle school. And they'd always been really close. Uh, There's a lot of speculation as to whether Randy had romantic feelings for Brooke, but he stands by the fact that Brooke and Jordan were both, like, his sisters. Like, he grew up with them, he was always at their house, like, they'd always, like, you know, kind of been, like, a tight-knit little circle, and it was never anything more than that. Right. So, uh, so I'll tell you a little bit about Randy. Randy also grew up in Pennsylvania with his mom and his sister. His dad wasn't super present present in his life. He grew up in a household where his parents would get into these big blowout fights and his father would sometimes end up being physically abusive to his mother, but that was when Randy and his sister were much younger. So mm-hmm. most of his childhood and early adolescence and early adulthood, his father Normal. really wasn't, yeah, but his father really wasn't present. Like he didn't really have a, a male father figure or, mm-hmm. yeah. So the father eventually ended up moving out and Brandy spent the majority of his, like I said, teen years, adolescence, young adulthood without a father. 
uh, Randy had been going through a hard time, and that's when he decided he wanted to move down to Florida with Brooke. He also wanted a fresh start, like, clean slate. Like, he just wanted, you know. So Randy felt like he was stuck in his dead-end job. He was working at a meat processing plant where he was cutting up meat for hours on end all day. Uh, And he would spend the majority of his time off work just drinking excessively, right? The mix of those two things doesn't sound great. Not great. It's the meat and grease all over again. Yeah. That's meat meat and grease. grease. Yeah. Uh, He also worked as a corrections officer at a local county jail uh, during around that same time um, until he was fired after he was found in the possession of drugs and he was charged with multiple DUIs in the same year. A lot of red flags. A lot of red flags coming from old Randy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Multiple DUIs in the same year, drugs. Um, All he's really doing is working and drinking, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Randy also needed uh, a change of scenery because in 2015, um, his father, Randy Herman Sr., the man who wasn't really present in his life, was suspected of killing his then-girlfriend and then proceeding to shoot himself in his pickup truck after he fled the scene. So they're assuming, like, he was never charged with the crime and, like, I mean, he was a suspect, but he kind of went on the run and, like, Mm -hmm. so before anything could even escalate or, like, he be charged or, like... You know, Anything. he he shot himself, so... But it's it's likely that that's exactly what happened, so... Mm-hmm. That's what it's looking like. Okay. So this was most likely, um, obviously, a traumatic experience for Randy, and he remembers feeling torn about his father and what he was supposed to feel and think about him, but after his father passed, he ended up inheriting about $25,000 from his father. I also heard another source say it was actually just 10000 so I'm not entirely sure how much inheritance money it was. That's unclear, but... It's pretty, it was a pretty dangerous combination to have a 20-something with an addiction problem and no real clear path in life, and then he has all this money. So he yeah, ended up he, just but, blowing... I mean, he blew through that, like, in, like, a yeah, week, to he, be honest. He blew that inheritance yeah. money on... Drugs. Well, yeah, mainly. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a, it's a sticky, sticky slope to be on. Yeah, but apparently he was also mixing alcohol and cocaine, and it just wasn't a, a ideal combination. Yeah. So, with Randy's inheritance, he decided to move down to Florida. He used that money to move with Brooke so they could share a home with Brooke's sister, and that was the plan for the three of them to be roommates. Uh, So, the three of them were inseparable when they first moved down to West Palm Beach. Um, They only knew each other, so, of course, they're, like, going to be a little tight-knit circle. Uh, They went to the beach all the time. They were partying. They would go bowling. They would have game nights and just do, like, roomy things and, like, having a great time. But as time went on, the group started spending less and less time together. When they first moved down there, it was just the three of them. You know, they didn't—they were new to the area. They didn't know anybody. But then as soon as they started, like, you know, their new jobs, like, hanging out with different circles, like, they just kind of started doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no bad blood or bad beef. It was just kind of, like, everybody's... They didn't need to depend. They weren't yeah. codependent on each other. Exactly. So Brooke's sister, Jordan, would go on to later say that they would have occasional, like, family dinners and game nights, but sometimes they were on completely different schedules and they would, like, not see each other often. So that was kind of normal. But they were still roommates. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, toxic. It was just, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, everybody's busy. Everybody's doing their own thing. So while in Florida, Randy worked at Comcast inside of a Walmart selling internet and cable, and he was making decent money, yet most of his free time was still spent drinking excessively and partying. So... It was kind of like when he wasn't working, he was sleeping all day and partying all night. And, mm. you know, it was it was a lot. So after a while, Randy ended up quitting his job due to the inconsistency of commission based pay. It was just too much for it. He didn't care for it. So he ended up quitting that job. And then he started solely living off his inheritance, which was going very quickly. That's, very quickly. Yeah, you can't, what, it's not working. Months, you can live off with rent and everything. Yeah. So, during this time, uh, Brooke is still with her long-distance boyfriend. They're still together. And they had been distanced for a long time through college and while she was still in Florida. And they were still, they were getting pretty serious. And they wanted to settle down together. So, Brooke decided that she was going to move out and she was going to move up to Buffalo, New York to live with him and, like, start their little life together. So, around mid-December 2016, Brooke decided to make the move up to Buffalo herself Uh, She had already picked out the apartment. She already decorated it. She was just really excited for this new chapter. Uh, She told all her friends and family that an engagement ring was coming soon, and she was just ready to start her life with him. Uh, So while Brooke had moved out, um, this was late, like mid to late December of 2016, uh, it was just Jordan and Randy in the uh, 
the house and they're still remaining roommates. So Jordan recalls that there were times where she barely even saw Randy because they were just on completely different schedules. Like, uh, like she was doing her own thing and he was basically up all night partying and mm-hmm. sleeping all day. I don't even know if he was working at this time. He might have still been chilling with that inheritance in his yeah. pocket. I don't know. But so Brooke moved to Buffalo in mid-December of 2016. And now we're going to fast forward to March 24th, 2017. So Brooke had been living in New York with her boyfriend for like four months now, right? Mm-hmm. So on this day, March 24th, 2017, Brooke is on a plane headed back to Florida because she wants to pack up the remainder of her stuff. And she also wants to go back to the house and get her car. She mm-hmm. wants to get her car so she can drive back upstate. Mm-hmm. Mainly, the main reason for the, the trip was to go get her car so she could drive back up and like get the remainder few things that she left in the house. So she's headed back to West Palm Beach. Uh, like I said, she's going to get her car. Um, her sister Jordan picked her up. She remembers picking Brooke up from the airport. They got breakfast together, and then they went back to the house, right? Uh, the three of them, Brooke, Jordan, and Randy, hung out for a bit, and then they ended up going to dinner together. They were going to celebrate Brooke being back and, like, starting her new life. So, uh, and it was, like, the kind of the last time the three of them got, like, some quality time together. Like, they assumed, like, oh, okay, it might be a while before we all see each other again, so mm-hmm. let's just, like, you know, have, yeah. have some time. Uh, Jordan was actually making a trip the next day to Denver. I don't know exactly why she was, uh, making the trip there, but she was going to be leaving the next day. So the next day, it was pretty early. Brooke and Randy take Jordan to the airport and drop her off. And this is the last time that Jordan would unfortunately see her sister alive, right? So after the two of them drop off Jordan, they decide to open up a bottle of champagne and head to the beach. And they're just going to have like a nice little morning, uh just hang out for a while they're like oh, it's the last time i'm gonna see you you know uh so they basically just head down to the beach and drink and party for a little while mm-hmm. and there's actually a photo i think i'll post it on our instagram that randy took of brooke and she's just like on the shore with her bikini and she's got like her you know like like beach and booze was the caption or whatever that she posted on facebook she's like perfect day you know uh and afterwards they headed back to the home and they kept drinking and hanging out uh there's pictures of both brooke and randy that they both posted on facebook of them just drinking on their back porch and they're playing table tennis and they just look like they're having a good time uh randy ended up drinking excessively that night like a lot more than brooke and he a very odd and uncomfortable event ended up occurring later that night uh, that actually came to light thanks to one of brooke's friends that she had texted that night that she was actually uncomfortable with randy's behavior right so brooke was fully intending on staying the night in that house right she was going to spend the night and then the next day she was going to end up taking her car and driving up to new york uh but she ended up staying i'm getting lost here no worries no worries love um while you're you're yeah yeah. finding your spot we'll Uh we'll what any thoughts so far (laughs) well i was just wondering was uh, Brooke and Jordan aware of how bad Randy's drug mm. problem was? Probably not. They probably just, like, if they saw him drinking excessively, they're like, oh, you know, Randy. Like, I don't think, like, at like that age, you're like... Like, he was a problem roommate or something? Like, was he, like, paying his rent? He, like... I guess, it, yeah, it wasn't too much of a problem. I guess yeah. they are just like, you know, he's a party guy, like, when you're in your 20s, and it's just, like, one of those mm-hmm. things, like... If they didn't really see him, it didn't matter. Like, yeah, like, oh, he yeah. drinks all day, but whatever. He doesn't bother us, like, you know, kind of thing, I guess. Right. I'm right. assuming. But until so, this incident, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened the night before. Yeah. And that's very I'm, interesting. I'm thinking if there was any, if Jordan was really worried about him, like, that he had gotten it way out of control, I don't think he, she would have left her sister alone right. with him. That's true, yeah. I don't think they were too worried, but okay. yeah. So they were both, like, drinking that night, just, like, you know, chilling, whatever. Uh, but I think they were all kind of party people, but I think Randy, uh, in he the, took it to another level. Yeah. In the upcoming months, it just became excessive to the point. Yeah. But they probably never felt, cause they knew him since middle school and they're like, oh, that's my brother. That's Randy. Like yeah. he's not, you know, he's not gonna try anything. Like he, he might get a little crazy, but you know, I guess you know somebody long enough. There's like that, maybe a bit of blind trust that like, you know, nothing's going to go down, but so, yeah, like I said, Brooke fully intended on staying the night, but that was until Randy started acting really strange, leading Brooke to sleep elsewhere that night. She actually left with her friend Kyle that night because she was so uncomfortable that uh, she texted her friend Kyle. Um, she said to him in a text message, quote, 
uh, Randy's acting really belligerent and pissing me off, unquote. So Kyle heads over to the house to check on Brooke, and he finds her really upset when he comes into contact with her. And she's ready to leave, and she ends up um, asking Kyle if she can actually stay the night at his place, and he agrees. He's like, yeah, it's fine, because um, she just didn't want to be around Randy. So once Brooke got to Kyle's house, she told him what happened, and she said when she was trying to pack up some of her stuff in her room that night, Randy ended up getting completely naked and hiding inside of her closet and just kind of hanging out. And when she finally found him in there, it freaked her out. And then he looks at her and, like, puts his finger to his mouth and goes, shh. Ew. And they're like, what? Ew. So she, that freaked her out. I guess he'd never behaved uh, like that yeah. before. So she's like, like uh, a horror movie. She's like, hey, Kyle, can you come get me? He's Please. freaking me out. Um, so, of course, he's like, yeah, uh, that's really weird. So. <laughs> oh, scroll, scroll, scroll. So, yeah, he went, shh, creepy. Don't like that. Um, so it doesn't sound like this event escalated in any other way other than Brooke being freaked out and he was hiding in the closet and I guess he was just super, super wasted. Um, so that's why she didn't want to stay. She didn't feel safe. So the next morning, Randy wakes up completely hungover and he remembers getting up and heading to the kitchen to get some water. And that's when he came into contact with Brooke who had come back to the house, I guess that morning to finish packing. Um, According to Randy, doesn't sound like they spoke or had any type of, like, real interaction then. He just kind of, like, saw her, and he got his water, and he went back to bed. And that was when Brooke, I'm guessing Kyle, brought her back to the house, and she got, she gathered some of her stuff. And then Brooke and Kyle ended up getting breakfast together after this. Mm -hmm. So he remembers seeing her in the morning, uh, Randy. He got water. He went back to bed. And then I believe um, Brooke extended the invitation to him through text they're like oh me and kyle are going to go get breakfast would you like to come and a lot of people were like that really shows who brooke was and how kind she was even after what went down last night and he was making her so uncomfortable she's still like hey do you want to come get breakfast with us mm -hmm. like yeah. you know so that says a lot about her um but let's see uh yeah so doo -doo -doo. but he's he said he was just too hungover for that he he dis uh dis disinclined inclined dis decline decline <laughs> disinclined i disinclined acquiesced your request no yep. uh he he declined the invitation he's yes. like no i'm way too hungover for that but he did say please come back um after breakfast to i have something to give you i'm going to give you a t-shirt before you leave and i want i want to just say goodbye right so that was really the only reason she was going to come back inside really yeah like because he asked her to like she probably would have just gotten in her car and left right after breakfast but he texted her saying oh please come back i have something i want to give you mm. so right okay so around this is very this is where the timeline takes place very important right okay okay so we're that morning so around eight thirty-five a.m that morning brooke comes back to the house after kyle drops her off and after breakfast right uh, this is confirmed by neighbor's surveillance, surveillance footage. So we have footage of her entering uh, the home at this time. So thank you, CCTV, for yeah. doing the Lord's yeah. work, you know. Uh, so that's 8.35 a.m. So like I said, the only reason she came back inside was because Randy asked her to. Um, she was all ready and packed up and everything. Uh, so Randy states that the last thing that he remembers was that uh, Brooke came inside his room, right? And he, he didn't get out of bed. He said he pointed her in the direction of where the t-shirt was. He wanted to give her that t-shirt. And then they talked for a few minutes and then they hugged and then she said goodbye and then she turned to leave, right? That's all Randy says that he recalls Yeah. from that morning, right? Uh, let's see. But after after his goodbyes... Um, what really happens, despite Randy's lack of memory, uh, Randy ends up picking up a knife and attacking Brooke. Uh, he kept a hunting knife by his bed. He took that and ended up stabbing Brooke over 20 times. Oh my god. Yeah. So that's very upsetting. But of course, Randy has no recollection of these events taking place, right? So. Mm. So he says. So he says that's the whole thing so the next thing randy knew he was standing over her body covered in blood with a knife in his hand so once randy comes to quote unquote comes to he realizes what he's done he proceeds to get changed grab brooke's body and wrap it up in a quilt take brooke's car and drive up to haverhill park to call the authorities on himself saying he had just murdered someone so that was randy who had called in the right. very beginning in the 911 call right so he left her 
wrapped in a quilt in mm-hmm. the apartment. Yes. Okay. So I'm uh, the park Haverhill Park was less than a mile from their home. I'm guessing this like him leaving was a way of like distancing himself from the crime or like what he had done. Um, so all of this happens before nine in the morning. So Randy. Wait, so he took her body to the park? No, he just wrapped it up, left it in the house, and then took her car and then drove to the park and called the cops on himself. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he wrapped up her body. Okay. Yeah. Didn't want to see. Didn't want to see what he'd done and then like left to distance himself, I'm assuming. Hmm. Okay. From the act. But all this happens before nine in the morning, right? Uh, Randy is arrested at Haverhill Park, and his and his hands are all cut up and covered in blood, right? Yeah. So when Randy is questioned, Randy seems very clueless and lost and really has I don't knows and I don't remembers for the officers. Uh, he remembers Brooke leaving that night to spend the night at Kyle's. He remembers seeing Brooke that morning and hugging her goodbye. But after that, everything goes black. He honestly doesn't remember how this happened, but he knows what he did. He knows he killed her because he he's standing over her covered in her blood with a knife in his hand. He's right. like... He it, obviously did it. Yes. It's no obvious question. to no investigators. There. Yeah. There's no, like, there's no owl. I don't think there was anybody else no. who was irresponsible. So, the, of course, the officers are confused as to why this happened. There are a lot of theories that Randy was in love with Brooke and she rejected him. And that's, like, the overall motive for the crime. Like, uh, based on his behavior the night before, people think there was, like, a sexual motive or something, right? Um... But Randy stands by the fact that Brooke and Jordan, both of them, were like his sisters, and it wasn't like that ever. Or he just couldn't face the fact that she was leaving and he was dependent on Maybe. She had been gone for four months, but maybe it was like his last-ditch effort to, like, Like get her to stay. she's not coming back this time. Yeah. Like, she's gonna get married, she's gonna leave us all behind. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Randy says Brooke has been like a sister since middle school and he has no idea how this happened. He doesn't even remember it happening. Uh, but Randy does tell officers that he was sleeping when Brooke came back to the house at 8.35 a.m. that morning and he never got out of bed when she came home. Uh, she, she told, uh, he told her where to grab the t-shirt and they hugged goodbye and, um, right. So he does, he says he recalls all this happening, that she came into the room and everything. Um, so this means Randy was awake at this time and talking to Brooke, right? Yeah. So let's go over the timeline a little bit. So Brooke arrives at 8.35 a.m. based on the CCTV we see from across the street, the surveillance video. And then Randy leaves the home covered in blood at 8.57 a.m. So we know, thanks to, like I said, CCTV, bless you, big brother, uh, this crime clearly happened within a 22-minute time frame, right? Mm -hmm. We have 22 minutes. So... We'll come back to that in a little bit. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. We'll tell you. I'll tell you about it. So, we'll fast forward a little bit. Two years after this incident, on April 30th, 2019, Randy's trial begins. So, while Randy does confess to officers and on the 911 call that he killed somebody, he killed Brooke, uh, even though he doesn't remember it, he pleads not guilty due to reasons of insanity. Why Mm -hmm. does he plead not guilty to reasons of insanity? Randy and his defense argue that he was asleep when he killed Brooke. He assists. He insists he was sleepwalking. Oh, please. He called, he knew enough to call the police and to wrap her body and then drive her car to the park. I mean, that's, yeah, that's not like, no. Let's get into it. So his defense argued that Randy should not be charged with first degree murder because he was asleep during the act and therefore should not have to face life in prison. So the sleepwalking defense, this was the first time this defense would be used in the state of Florida. But there have been cases in the past that have used this defense and have succeeded in getting clients off when yeah, charged with violent. Yeah, we've all seen that forensic files. <laughs> when charged with violent crimes, it has worked. That's so right. The husband you know. yes. drowning his wife in the pool. That's right. Is that a yep. thing? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, right. Sleepwalking okay. defense. Drowning huh. somebody and then stabbing somebody twenty times, wrapping themselves in a, in a blanket, wrapping the body in the blanket, and then driving their car to a park and then calling the police on yourself is different. Mm. Sorry. You don't just run away. Very true. Are you going to tell me that he actually was sleepwalking? Because how? Can oh, that be I don't. Driven? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna list everything that went down. But I'm. I'm. I'm in the middle. Honestly, okay. I'm not yes or no. So also, if you're that drunk, mm. like just because you're asleep doesn't mean that your motor skills are gonna be on point again. Yeah. Fair. So. Yeah. So the defense That's is like, true. oh no worries, he was sleepwalking. He didn't mean it. But according to reports, Randy wasn't even the first one to mention sleepwalking. A psychiatrist who was evaluating him at the time was the first one to bring By it up. By the defense? Hmm? 
psychiatrist for the defense. For the defense, yes. So I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Asking him to say it. Yeah, Yeah. they were asking him a load of questions like, "Do you have a history of this, that?" And then, like, one of the last questions they asked him um, was, "Do you have a history of sleepwalking?" Um, It is actually confirmed by Randy's mother and younger sister that Randy had a history of sleepwalking as a child. Uh, But Jordan, Brooke's sister, his roommate, uh, claims that as long as she lived with Randy, she never saw him sleepwalk, right? Uh So, uh, when Randy's lawyers learned that Randy did have a history of sleepwalking, this instantly became the defense um, that the lawyers used. So, while this is what the defense is saying, that he was sleepwalking, the prosecutors are saying this is impossible, and this was a deliberate attack and homicide. So the defense, the defense brought in a psychologist who testified on the stand that sleepwalking during a murder is absolutely possible, and it's probable that Randy was indeed sleepwalking during this incident. Why is it probable? We'll get into it. Tell me. Okay. <laughs> get impatient. Tell me. Go ahead. Where are the facts? Tell me now. Where are the facts? Uh, the defense also brought up, uh, well, this is basically the... The explanation. This is the explanation. The defense brought up a study that was done in the 1970s by a psychologist. Old. Old. Outdated. Not not credible. (laughs) They were doing a lot of shit then. Okay. (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. Uh, Stanford Prison Experiment. But Mm -hmm. 1970s by a psychologist named Dr. Boncolo. Fake. No. (laughs) Dr. Boncolo. Deboncoloed. Debonked. No. His, his name was Dr. Boncolo, and it's just, this is known as the Boncolo, Boncolo Criteria, okay? <laughs> Y'all wheezing over there. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, the Boncolo Criteria. We're going to get into it. So, Boncolo studied many cases in which sleepwalking resulted in violent or homicidal crimes, which I think is crazy that, like, enough crimes like this occur that we need Name a whole five. study. I can't. <laughs> oh, you like Dr. Boncolo? Name five of his criteria. <laughs> no, but, like, that's crazy. Like, this guy did a whole study about sleepwalking cases that result in homicide. Like, how many cases have occurred where he needs... Only one that I know of. Plenty of pieces Only of criteria. files other than this one. We're going to know this one next. So I'm going to go through the 13 different um, levels of criteria a sleepwalking patient would... Uh, meet in order for this type of behavior to be possible, right? So I'll go through all of them. So number one, arousal occurs after sleep onset. So I guess that can't really be proven uh, whether Randy experienced... To kill? Arousal in any type of way. I don't necessarily know what type of that means, but just, you know. All right, continue. Yeah, that's number one. Um, Arousal occurs after sleep onset. Number two, extended period of complex motor behavior during sleepwalking period so of course if you were to say that randy did stab brooke while sleepwalking that is the equivalent of the his complex motor skills being in use right i guess Mm -hmm. number three the victim was loved by the attacker that's a piece of criteria okay Okay. i love him so much i I have to kill him yes number four this is interesting because it follows victim was loved by the attacker. Number four is victim was not recognized during the attack, which just confuses me because if the victim was loved by the attacker, how are they, they yet at the same time not recognized by them during the right. attack? You know what I mean? Um, Debunked. I'm just going to list through them. I'm not going to say five, six, seven. Uh, here we go. The, the, the attack was followed by confusion, which Randy did experience. It sounds like amnesia for the event. Because it sounds like Randy Convenient. had no idea what happened. Uh, the next one, history of sleepwalking, which is proven by his mother and his sister. Uh, no attempt to cover Hearsay. up. No attempt to cover up the crime. He did confess immediately. Wait, wait. He covered it up. He wrapped her body in a blanket. Oh, uh, she's right and there. And then he drove away. She's right. Th- he called and he confessed to it. Maybe because he freaked out. And he was like, well, yeah. get me anyway. Uh, the next one, uh, no proven motivation for the attack. Right. Uh, the defense he was ar- in her closet naked. Oh, here we go. See? The defense argues that there was no reason for Randy to want to kill Brooke, but the prosecution argues that this was a sexually motivated crime, and they rely heavily on the fact that Randy was acting so odd the night before, a.k.a. hiding in her closet naked. Um, and they relied heavily on that. Uh, like, the whole idea that Randy was interested and Brooke turned and he's him a down. drug addict. Yeah. And he doesn't sleep mm-hmm. at night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next one, extended period of stress. People say relying on, like, uh, his inheritance solely for money, for income, uh, him quitting his job, um, his dad being a murderer. Like, all these things have, like, you know, led up to him being stressed out. Seems hereditary. Him being stressed, yeah. Him being stressed, him being X, Y, and Z, you know. That was his 
extended period of stress. Stop touching your nose ring. Sorry. I'd like to touch it. Okay, well, it's, it's like messing with my hand. Like, Sorry. <laughs> I can't look uh, at you when you touch the it. The next one, uh, poor sleep patterns <laughs> in the nights preceding, which would make sense because, like... Poor sleep patterns his whole adulthood, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, literally. There were pictures, um, because there's a documentary based on this event, which I'll go more into, um, but there were lots of plenty of photos of them um doing whatnot and plenty of videos and photos of randy drinking excessively and there was one like photo from snapchat of like his friends uh dragging him out of a bar and the caption says uh when your friends have to drag you out of the club at 3 p.m or something like 3 p.m 3 p.m wait 3 a.m 3 p.m like he was drinking all day and passed out like in the middle of the afternoon like he oh. Was, oh so he was clearly not sleeping and just drinking like a monster so uh the next one uh, no history of violence, uh, besides being in possession of drugs and having a couple DUIs under his belt. That's he violent. wasn't a necessarily a violent person, uh, you know. Violent intent. Mm. And then the last one is... Are you so, defending him? No, not at all. I'm listing the facts. Okay. Why would I defend him? <laughs> I don't know. Because we're not, you're not hating. Okay, continue. I'm listing all the facts and then I'm going to tell you Fine. how I feel. Lord. And then the last one is actually no alcohol use. But that's obviously disproven because he was drinking like a monster, like I said. Uh, but the defense used this by saying his excessive alcohol use and the use of other substances, um, they believed that the alcohol put him in a deeper sleep faster, right? So, like, the whole, like, oh, you know, it... Is it a sleep or is he more, like, knocked unconscious? I don't know. People, they were arguing that he was in such a deep sleep, he was sleepwalking through the whole entire event. And then, like, he came to and he, like, panicked. Is sleepwalking and... only a deep sleep? We'll get into that. We'll get into that. Tell me now. You keep saying we'll get into that, but you're not getting into it. I have <laughs> lots of pages. <laughs> so after nine days of trial, the jury was sent back to deliberate, and the jury was pretty torn at first. Uh, many jurors believed the bungalow criteria uh, nailed it down almost to a T in terms of what Randy had done and experienced, right? You so, can say that about anybody. I mean, fair, fair. Uh, but the prosecutors had a strong argument as well. Uh, and that was their entire timeline of the day drawn out. So we know that, like I said, Brooke arrived home at 8.35 a.m. And then we'd see Randy get into her car and drive away at 8.57. So we're going to go back to those 22 minutes, right? So we know that Randy, uh, based on Randy's account of what he remembers that morning, um, Brooke came into his room, they spoke, she grabbed the t-shirt, they hugged goodbye. The prosecution believes that, uh, based on what Randy had said, that they probably spoke for a couple of minutes and then they hugged and then she turned to leave. And that's apparently the last thing he remembers. So it comes out later at trial that a man in the neighborhood that was walking past the house at 8.49 a.m. recalls hearing screaming. Don't know why he didn't intervene. Like, I'm sure you heard some blood curling, like, I'm being stabbed screaming, and he just kept walking. But we know based on his account, at 8.49 a.m., this is when the attack is occurring, right? So, da 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 yeah, People don't like to get involved, because they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to, like, call the police and then be wrong. Yeah, but screaming? Like, like, I know, I get that, but, like... I'm being stabbed-type screaming? Like, I'm, you know... Do we know for sure what that he heard just screaming, or did he hear, I'm being stabbed? No, he heard, he heard screaming. Okay. Like, female screaming, I'm assuming. I mean, I yell a lot. I mean, sometimes <laughs> it could just, I mean, it's early in the morning, maybe you're not thinking that way, like, oh my Fair. god, a murder's being committed. Yeah. Yeah, it's the last thing you think, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, we can yeah, all. People don't want to, like, be, be wrong about that kind of yeah. stuff. They don't want to call the police and then it's nothing. Yeah, we could all and judge all day. And they look like an ass or something. I guess. Okay, so we know there's screams going on at 8.49 a.m., so... Brooke comes home, like I said, I feel like a broken record, but 8.35 a.m., grabs the t-shirt, duh, duh, duh. Uh, supposedly, right after they hug, and then she turns to leave, Randy says uh, he fell right back asleep after talking to Brooke, and then... That deep of sleep, yeah, right. That's what we're saying. He's like, in, in those couple of minutes, uh, he like the defense is saying in those couple of minutes, he was able to enter a deep enough sleep to begin sleepwalking, right and then pick up the knife and stab her 20, over 20 times. So, the prosecutors call their own expert. They call on a doctor of psychiatry to explain why sleepwalking is not plausible in this case. So, the doctor explains that once you fall asleep, you enter stage one. He begins explaining the different stages of sleep uh, we enter as time goes on and we continue sleeping, right? So, you fall asleep and shortly after we enter stage one, then he continues to educate, like, the jury about the different stages of sleep and when we're going to enter them and about how long that takes, right? 
So the doctor goes on to say that we typically enter a deep sleep around an hour or two after we've initially fallen asleep. Uh, the doctor goes on to say that in this deep sleep, this is where sleepwalking usually occurs, like an hour or two after you've initially fallen asleep. So according to Randy's timeline and the limited window of time he has, there's no way he could have spoken to Brooke and then entered a deep enough sleep within minutes to where he was capable of sleepwalking. So the doctor testifies on stand, the doctor for the the prosecutors, mm -hmm. that this is scientifically impossible and that he would have been wide awake minutes before the crime. So there's no way this could have happened. Yeah. And Randy admits to being awake when Brooke caught home. But the psychiatrist that the defense had brought on argued differently. He insists that sleepwalking doesn't always happen within deeper stages of sleep and it can occur within the early stages of sleep. It could even happen minutes after sleep. So uh, you have two different, like, psychiatrists and doctors testifying different things like sleepwalking usually occurs within deep sleep an hour or two after you fall asleep initially or it could happen within minutes so it's like who to say i guess like you know you have two different people two That's men of stupid. medicine two men of medicine saying different things but well one of them went to kaiser university and one of them, <laughs> no. and oh. one of them is being paid Don't. big bucks we're not shaming Kaiser University. Okay, okay, sorry. One of them went to online certificate school. No. Grand Canyon University. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Okay. The defense even argued that they weren't even sure that Brooke and Randy had even spoken that morning. The defense was saying maybe had maybe Randy had actually dreamed that interaction, and that would make it more likely that Randy was actually in a deep sleep, uh, and he was capable of sleepwalking when Brooke got home. That's like, like maybe Randy was trying to fill How in. How would he know that she was there? Mm. If That's he was true. already asleep and he just walks, does he regularly sleepwalk with his hunting knife? Apparently he, it was always on his bedside, like the hunting knife. So. He kept it there. Out of the years that he lived there, so whatever, how long he lived there, never sleepwalked. But the moment that she arrives home to gather her last belongings, uh -huh. and he texts her, come home, I want to talk to you, mm -hmm. he, he happens to sleepwalk for the first time, and also happens to sleepwalk for the first time with his hunting knife, and just, yeah. you know, somehow knows that she's there at that exact moment. She's probably not there a long time. She's gathering her stuff to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Full. Very fair point, Julie. Very fair point. So, like I said, the, the whole theory that, like, uh, maybe he dreamed that interaction, yada, yada. But like you said, how would he even know that she was there? You know, but who's to say? Me. Julie says it. Um, so did he actually speak to Brooke that morning? Question mark. Yes. <laughs> so when the jury initially went back, uh, they were very. Oh, don't tell me these jurors are idiots. No, no, no. When the jury went back to deliberate, they were very split. So they said, okay, let's really look at the evidence. So they were looking at the timestamps on the text messages that Randy had sent Brooke that morning um, and the time that Brooke arrived home. And they were just really looking at every single, like, in terms of time, like what's possible within these windows of time frame, yada, 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 what was, wasn't possible and what they believed. So hours later, the jury has their verdict. And everyone comes back to the courtroom. Wait, to... only one day of deliberation? I believe it was only a couple hours. Okay, please, God. <laughs> okay, so everyone comes back to the courtroom to hear what the jury has decided. And Randy Herman Jr. is found guilty of first-degree murder and the Brooke of uh, the death of Brooke Preston. First degree, though. Good. Yeah. Because yeah, he's a little stupid liar. <laughs> so in the documentary uh, that this crime is based off, which is called Dead Asleep, um... I lost my place, my nose. Oh, members of the jury within the documentary, they state uh, that they laid out the timeline. Like I said, they had all the text messages, uh, the video surveillance, the time that the screams were heard, and in time in which Brooke walked in, and the time that Randy said he spoke to her. The jury believed there was absolutely no way he had time to enter this deep sleep where he could have caused sleepwalking. So that was the major plot point. Like, they were very much... Like, they really liked the defense's argument of the criteria of sleepwalking that Randy met fully, but it was more about the time. <laughs> I'm watching Julie rub her nose. I'm sorry. No, I was making fun of how many times you're touching your <laughs> sorry. nose. sorry. Okay. I want to touch it. No. no. Continue on with your story, please. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so basically, like, at first the jury really liked the whole sleepwalking criteria. They're like, okay, maybe this is plausible, like... 
maybe, you know, this will do it. But then they really came back to the timeline. They're like, it's just not possible within the small window of time he had available to him. It's just not a thing. So Randy was found guilty of first degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. In April of 2021, Randy Herman appealed his conviction and sentence, but was denied. Oh, good. Randy states, Randy states that since he's been in jail, he's had a strong urge to reach out to the press and family to apologize, but he doesn't have the words, and he really doesn't know what to say to them. They don't want yeah. to hear from you. Uh, he says Fair in the documentary, feedback. how do you apologize for something like that? This is something far more. It's like, yeah, it's you far more. You can't. No. Um, in the documentary, Dead Asleep, which is on Hulu, uh, this tells the story of Brooke Preston's murder. Uh, the Preston family declined to make a comment or be featured in the movie. They were um, approached by a production company on whether they'd like to make an appearance in the film, but they didn't want to relive that part of their lives, obviously. They were not. How were they allowed to make that without the family's approval? I don't know. I really, I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, she's an adult, but also doesn't. It's all public information, though. I guess. It's just kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, The Preston family was very disturbed and uncomfortable to learn that the worst and most traumatic event of their lives was being aired on one of the biggest streaming platforms in the world. Uh, Brooke's mother was especially disturbed to hear she was in the documentary without even realizing it. Uh, Police footage is shown in the documentary of her, and what's aired for the whole world to see is the exact moment Brooke's mother finds out that her daughter had been stabbed to death which she thinks is very disturbing. Uh, the Preston family had an appearance on uh, one of my favorite true crime YouTubers, Kendall Ray's channel. Kendall Ray gives lots of, um, you know, she she's, really gives a voice. victim's advocate. Yeah, a victim's advocate. She gives voices to families and, like, what the, the media isn't telling you, basically. She gives them a yeah. platform and a voice um, where a lot of Brooks, her mother, Jordan, her sister, and just a lot of her friends... Uh, they've expressed their displeasure in the documentary. Uh, Jordan has even started a petition to remove the entire documentary from Hulu. They don't want to relive relive this part of their trauma, and they just believe this film focuses so much on Randy in general and just barely gives Brooke, you know, any type of yeah. attention. Which really, it really does. It just focuses because Randy is interviewed in the documentary, as is his mother, his sister, and it's really just about Randy's trauma. Yeah. And it's like this is what caused him to do it, you know. Yeah. And it's like he's a poor little sleepwalker, and it's like. Ugh. No. And they forgot about the victim. Yeah, they really that don't mention a her. Lot. And anytime you see a picture of her, it's like with him, like in a Facebook oh. post. It's awful. Um, Brooks family wants people to remember how funny, authentic, friendly, and amazing, uh, their sister and their family member was. Um, and Jordan insists that if you take anything away from this, it's be careful who you trust. So what do you think? Do you believe Randy was sleepwalking or do no. you believe something more malicious and sinister went down in that home? Yeah. He just, he just killed her. Yeah. Because yes. he's a psychopath probably. And that's the story of the murder of Brooke, Pre- Brooke Preston and the mysterious sleepwalking case gross <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely but i watched the documentary and then i realized like how much the family was not about it so i also had to like put that in there yeah 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 mm-hmm. but yeah that's nope. the story that's yes. the story the first sleepwalking case ever tried in florida i think that's very mm. interesting but if the floridians weren't having it they were like no no i'm really glad the jury was not an idiot you know later i don't know you know, next month I'm I'm uh I've been called in for jury duty. Ooh. And uh, let me tell you, if it is a murder case and they let me in, yeah, I will not disappoint. <laughs> uh, you'll be like the foreman of the jury, right? You'll be like I'll be like I want to be the one who says it. Yes. Yeah. We with the jury, the jury and the de- de- find de- this asshole guilty. <laughs> they'll be like, please don't say asshole. Like, please don't say asshole. Like, Mr. Isle, Mr. Isle. Something's going down. Yeah. Uh, the jury foreman has a true crime podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're going to be like, no, no. You're not in. We don't like that. like, I promise I'll vote for prosecution. I promise. I'll be fair. I swear to God. I'm on I the promise s- I'll be the fair. The defense doesn't want to hear that. I'm on the state side, baby. No, not always. <laughs> Please, I love the defense attorney, David Rudolph. Please, I'll be fair. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Ugh. Wow. That's. Any thoughts on that? What are you thinking? That's pretty crazy to me. That's very recent, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is crazy. I mean, it, it makes me feel bad about the documentary, though. Yeah. You know, I, 
I watch so many true crime documentaries, I never really think about it. Right. Well, usually a lot of the true crime documentaries, the family is interviewed. Yeah. Every now and then you see an episode of a show and the family's not interviewed. Yeah. But I feel better about it when it's like they get their, their time to speak. You yeah, know, and they're right. Like, you know, some, some advocate for the victim, whether it's like a friend mm-hmm. or a family member. Yeah. Really but the shouldn't. documentary was a bis- bit misleading in certain parts. Like, um, when they were at trial, um, Jordan was actually subpoenaed by the defense. So it looked like in the documentary that, like, oh, Jordan is, like, defending Randy and she's on his side and she wants to support him. But I think she really had no choice but to... Yeah, they just, they, if you're called in, like, yeah. subpoenaed... But, you have to testify. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you, you say the truth, but... It, yeah, you know. they didn't really say anything about that in the documentary. They just show her uh, working for the defense, and they thought that was going to make a big impact. But um, on Kendall Ray's channel, um, Jordan said she really had no choice, and that was really hard. Yeah, I mean, if you don't just say, like, oh, I'm going to... They, if they call you to testify, you have to testify. Yeah. They, might have, they might have just asked her, like, wasn't Randy, like, a normal roommate? Like, did, he never had any problems, right? Like, they just asked her, basically, if Randy was, like, in love with her sister. And she's like, I never saw him try anything. But, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, yeah. Yeah. Because they just probably knew that she would say, like... Yeah, that was her stance. But I am interested because you have the two different um, doctors of psychiatry saying, one saying sleepwalking's not possible in this stage of sleep, and the other saying, oh, yes, it is. And it's like, well, what is it? It's an opinion. Is it an, is it an opinion? Is it a scienti- scientific, scientific fact? <laughs> scientific mean, fact. Well, but the defense, the, the, the experts at the defense hires. Yeah. Basically, they hire the people that are going to say it, the way they want them to say it. But I want to know what the truth that, is. That doctor's research might all be about sleepwalking in light sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other one, it might be like, this is what scientifically is proven. Yeah. And then this one is like, well, actually, I've been doing these tests, and I think uh-huh. this. Yeah. Here's my data. Very true. Um, Your data I mean, sucks. I mean, just think of like people like Henry Lee, mm-hmm. and who are experts they're considered experts in their field right Mm -hmm. yeah but what they testify is still just an opinion for the right amount of money i can be an expert in anything i mean yeah i mean they might see something i mean these people are not just like textbooks they have Mm -hmm. their own biases and like opinions about things and they might you know stray from the science like the written science on things because they think they know better yeah or they have this data which they think proves this mm-hmm. i mean yeah a lot of a lot of experts aren't really experts fair so sad to say i was also interested in, i didn't mention this in my research but in dead asleep they were talking about uh the prosecutors were saying there's no way because he uh he was clearly he had like um Brooke was obviously defending herself, and that's why his arms he were all... He would have woken up if yeah. he was getting cut up. His arms were all mm-hmm. cut up, and people were like, there's no way he could have slept through that. But the um, the defense was saying, oh, we have plenty of studies from sleepwalkers who have fallen out of, like, two-story windows who didn't wake up immediately. I was like, is that a thing? Probably because they got knocked out or something. <laughs> okay, being cut and stabbed is different from, like, falling... Yeah, because that's like, can you endure all that types of, like, violent stimuli and not be awoken like there's just i don't know there's yeah. no way your really. heart rate is getting high yeah i mean it just seems like a lot yeah that's ridiculous but now he's in jail well, that's good. and i will also you know what i'll do um i'll also link jordan's petition in our instagram because she has a petition it has over a hundred thousand uh signatures at this point but to get the documentary taken off of hulu mm-hmm. and they don't want it aired so let's yeah. get that off of there folks uh but yeah that's the story well, mm-hmm. thank you. That yeah. was good, good, um, that good was research. Really good. Yeah. Great. Thanks. That was crazy. I didn't really know anything about that. I never heard of that. I mean, I don't really, like, keep up to date on, like, very current, like, mm-hmm. murders and true crime. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I was... I was interested in the whole sleepwalking defense, and I saw that the, the documentary was on Hulu. But I watched that, and then I realized that the family had an issue with it. Yeah. <laughs> Bless you. Bless me. <laughs> Bless you. Bless moi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's crazy. Ah, oh, just, 
yeah, entitled dudes who, who think. But yeah, his behavior the night before was, like, just, no. You know, yeah. that's what makes it suspicious, because it's like, what, you know, is that the motive there? It seemed like it was getting progressively weirder to the point where... Yeah. And even yeah. if he wasn't sleepwalking, which I, I, I don't think, I don't know... He, what, his, what do you think, Jeannie? I think his mental state, he was not good from all the drugs and drinking he was doing, and that in, that in combination with whatever else, I don't know, but if he's getting... Psychopathy. Yeah, if he's getting naked in her closet, and he's already not sleeping well, he's doing drugs, and... Normal people who are just drunk don't do that. Yeah. Like, you still have control yeah. over your own actions. You might, like... <laughs> but, like, you're not gonna, like, totally change the way you are as a person. Yeah. Like, you're... No. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. I mean, you might shed a layer and show who your real true colors, but, like, you know... Yeah, but I mean, like, you're yeah. not gonna, like, become, like, a... Oh, no. A I've... monster if you aren't... Yes, 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 yes. ...already a monster. Yeah. So. Tragic, Like, if but... Jeannie has one too many, um, you know, Mike's Hard Lemonades, <laughs> she's not gonna, like... <laughs> I could. Kill us. I could. No. No, I wouldn't. Not unless she already wanted to kill us. No. That's right. If she wanted to kill us, I mean, she would have done it by now, but. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Yeah, episode 24. 24. Really? You know what's funnier than 24? What? 25. That's me. That's a SpongeBob reference for y'all. Next week. Yeah, next week we're going to hear Julie talk. Yeah. Maybe some visuals. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm kind of committed to the slides oh, cool. at this point. That's exciting. Love I that. I really like the Great. visual aspect. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, but thank you for joining us on this journey. Yeah, and thank you to our special guest. <gasps> oh, Do you yes. have any closing thoughts for yeah. today's episode? We'd love to know what you think about Please. the podcast in general. Any improvements? Well, in we general, any you feedback? Know, I absolutely. Negative, positive. I absolutely love the podcast. Thanks. Wow, thank you guys for Thanks, doing Mom. a great job. <laughs> great research. You guys hear that? My mom likes it. I love the cases. Very, there's such a variety. Such. I mean, every week I don't know what to expect. Any recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started. Uh, why don't you tell us? Mother's Keep us Day. accountable. Mother's Day's coming up. Ooh, true. What would you like to hear on Mother's Day? Um, Tell us. Well, Hmm. Tell us. Um, well, there is a case <laughs> that I talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned it that you want. Yes. <laughs> it's it's the Sonny Von Bulo attempted <laughs> murder. Fair. Um, I, Who's I got Mother's Day don't weekend? Think anybody... I don't know. We'll have to see. Somebody's Who's, doing it. Who's doing Mother's Day? <laughs> no idea. We know we how gotta, we skip weeks. We gotta check. Check the calendar. But we shall see. I, I think once you get into it, you'll find it fascinating. True. <laughs> oh, can I talk about um, puppies? <gasps> Please. So, I got great news today. <laughs> Our dad said, because I've been thinking about, you know, adopting a puppy. Yes. For Sunny to have a baby. It's very exciting. To carry and hold and love <laughs> and just be... You know, he I, he needs to, like, I just want a dog to, you know, learn his ways. And I want Sonny to be a teacher. He's so wise. Mm, he has a so mentor, much to teach. A mentor. A puppy has so much to learn mm-hmm. yeah. from him. And I just think it's great. He has also so much energy. And he does. Like, he turns, like, manic 3 p.m. He needs to burn it, yeah. And he needs somebody to run he around needs. with because he has no yeah. motivation to do it himself. He's like, I'm going to bite you all. <laughs> and, um. Yeah. He's probably gonna grow more violent unless we get <laughs> unless we get a puppy oh, he's for him. Not violent. So I did um, start an inquiry about I won't say the puppy's name just in case it doesn't work <laughs> for their privacy, just in case it doesn't work out. But um, I did start an inquiry about one such puppy, and I will let you know how it. Goes. Yeah, I hope that puppy makes an appearance on this podcast soon. I, you know, great. if if not that puppy, you know, a puppy. Yeah, we will mm-hmm. find the right puppy. Make sure it clicks with our mm-hmm. our moods, our lifestyle, yeah. with Sunny's, you know, yes. vibe. You know, make sure make sure they click. Yeah, that's very important. And then the cats, need... whatever, they don't keep giving them about anybody. Fair. We need uh, mascot number four for this podcast. I know we need a new pitter patter. Yeah. Um, somebody to walk in, mm-hmm. uninvited. Say hi. You know, to say mm-hmm. hello. Yeah. Um, I need that. We Ser- love it. Serotonin in my life. 
So that's that's what's going on with me. You got any any life updates? Ooh, um, you got a nose ring. I did get my septum pierced, and everybody, <laughs> I think everybody in my life hates it. I, I'm going to be real. I think I don't hates hate it. it. I just don't like you touching it for some reason. <laughs> Sorry, I just, just kept like adjusting you, it. Like, it felt holding weird. Holding it and adjusting it is like kind of like I'm thinking about how it's in your skin. And <laughs> Sorry. Then I'm thinking about you moving it. And Sorry. It just bothers me just a little bit, but just looking at you with it, it's fine. Okay. It's just the moving it. Okay, sorry. Me. I just won't. I had one. I had one. I know you did, which is so, so funny. So I'm not prejudiced. <laughs> I'm a believer. I understand. Yeah. It looked good. On, I thought it was really cute on you. I thought it was cute. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it was cute. It was. But yeah, thank you for joining us on episode 24. Follow us on at Hungry for Crime Pod on Instagram. I'm going to link Jordan's petition in our in our bio. And, oh my god, oh my god, this has been fun. Yes, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I'll come back at you next week with something good. Something hot and fiery. I'll try my best, you know how I do. No sleepwalkers. No, nothing like that. Maybe some renaissance painters, but no sleepwalkers. Yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to expand what we do. You yeah. Know, hungry for anything. That's the new I name. want, Julie, <laughs> can I make a request? I want some alien shit again. <laughs> like, really? Yes. It's freaking Maybe I'll awesome. Find something like it's paranormal. Freaking cool, dude. Something supernatural, Please. if you will. An abduction. I love abductions. Maybe. God, that like, alien shit is good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like a little uh, alien human hybrid situation. Whoa. They're abducting us for reproductive purposes. Oh. Okay, we're getting weird. Is that upset everybody? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, I sorry. Don't, I don't, Did I take I it too far? Why do you think they're abducting us then? Just to just to play? For our brains. Well, I know, mm-hmm. but I'm. Yeah. To play. <laughs> to play. I don't think so. I think it's malicious. I think they're stealing our organs and Ooh. putting in little pieces of metal into our bodies. Ew. Possibly. <laughs> Too many conspiracy theories. I don't know. Who knows what I'm going to give you next week? You know, it's... She I know. was telling Mama, I was like, this is why I can't take any of your recommendations. I need to be divinely inspired. Divinely like, God inspired. God needs to speak to me and be like, Julie, do Sonny Von Bulow. And when I hear that, I'll do it. But... Is, that, is that God speaking to you? Or Yes. When he says it. <laughs> it's his word over mine. His yeah. word. His word. His There's word. a reason we do this podcast on Sundays. Hey. All right. Praise. Praise. But thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next Sunday. And you'll hear our pretty little voices on. Hungry for crime. Bye. Hee <laughs> hee.